Uh, where I am up in uh, Townsville, um, there's a place called Palm Island, which you may have heard of. And um, Palm Island was sort of, uh, it was the Munborough people were the traditional owners, but in the early uh, 1900s, uh, they, they've just celebrated 100 years of Palm Island, uh, people from the Hull Mission on the mainland were taken to uh, Palm Island because a cyclone wiped out people in the Hull Mission. As you know, there were fairly draconian laws in Queensland and throughout Australia where they were separating Indigenous people from their families. Uh, was taken on the basis of colour. So the Aboriginal protected officer would come around and have a colour meter and if you weren't too darkly coloured, he'd take you and put you in a, you know, take you to a reserve or mission. But uh, Palm also had, uh, over the years, became a what they call a detention island, which was uh, regulated by the um, Aboriginal, uh, under the Aboriginal Protection and Opium Act. I don't know how the two fit together, but anyway, um, maybe need a bit of opium to get through Palm Island, I think. But um, so 44 different tribes were taken to that place, to, to Palm. Thankfully, none of the churches were involved at the beginning of Palm, thankfully. Uh, but later on came to, to kind of minister there, you know, 20 years later after Palm had started. So when you went to Palm, uh, sometimes people felt when they're on the mainland doing it pretty hard as Aboriginal people and the, the, the government official, the Aboriginal protector said, we'll take you to Palm, we can see you're not coping too well here you know, uh, with the kids and so on, we'll take you over to Palm and that'll be better for you. You can look after you over there. When they were taken to Palm, the family was separated into dormitories. Um, and then uh, even husbands and wives were separated and everything was regulated by a bell. But, you know, a hundred years last year they celebrated, you know, of Palm. So it's kind of, in, in some sense, a very painful place. But uh, the extraordinary thing is there was faith there. That, uh, you know, the, the early people from different churches came to Palm and um, were, you know, ministering there. Probably sadly uh, for, for Christianity, really, in a way, uh, was that largely the people coming were non-Aboriginal people. And uh, they were also tied up with, you know, the official structure of the place as well, you know. But nevertheless, uh, I noticed on their 100 years celebration plaques and memorials as they went through the chronology of the place, um, they had underneath, you know, the, it's really a litany of suffering over the years. Underneath they had, uh, and God was with us through it all. But it was just, just an extraordinary statement, isn't it? Like it's when you've been through, you know, such, such sort of suffering. Um, and one woman who we have a fair bit to do with, who in Townsville now, she was the daughter of a fellow um, by the name of um, William Thiday. You know, remember the Thidays? Probably from the Maroons? You probably wouldn't. New South Wales, it's not, uh, the state of origin. <laughs> anyway, Thiday is a very big, you remember Sam Thiday, big prop and centre. Anyway, she's their sort of descendants. Um, her her uh, father... Uh, William Thiday was involved in a strike in 1957 where Aboriginal and Islander people striked on Palm 
for better conditions. And as it happens in all strikes, everyone goes out initially. And then as you, what happens in strikes is you try and starve the families that are involved. And that's exactly what happened. And people slowly went back to work. But four, seven families held out, and one of those was William Thiday. And um, so they said, well, we're going to get rid of you, mob, get you off the island. It's probably a bit of a relief for them, but they arrested them, put them in chains, and I was about to take them off and put them in the ship, and one, there was a Catholic man who was involved in uh, taking them off the island, and he said to William, you're a Catholic, aren't you? <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> he said, do you want your family to go with you? And he said, yeah. So at that stage, I think they had about... Um, eight kids so his wife and children got onto the boat and Dulcie was one of those this elder I work with in, Darwin, in uh, Townsville and they remember leaving the island and going to Townsville and there they were held in jail for for seven days you know in this cement concrete jail all the kids everyone and they eventually sent to a place called Wurrabinda her father was an indo- you know, sort of incredible persevering kind of man at Wurrabinda um, you know so that's right out in the desert you know sort of central Queensland and um, they told me that at Wurrabinda her father could see the need for faith and for a church so he gathered up people who had faith people different Christian faiths and they built a church in Wurrabinda extraordinary isn't it I mean all that had kind of happened and he built a church there and not only that he was a great singer and uh, a good with music and a great worker too. And he, um, he then developed this choir that would travel around Queensland, this Aboriginal choir, you know, just uh, singing and ministering to other people and other communities. And I just, uh, it's just a kind of example to us, isn't it, that through the crucible often of suffering and injustice, the faith can kind of grow and go really deep into the heart, you know. And the call upon us today from the gospel is, a, is to get your vision right, to get yourself, uh, you know, we've been through uh, Lent and Easter and Pentecost, you know, did it have any impact upon me or kind did I immune myself, you know, and now I'm back in ordinary times so it's back to, you know, what I'm used to. Or have I actually allowed, you know, all that happened over that period of time to actually drop down into my heart, you know? And there may have been a fair bit of suffering in that time because what's clear, you know, from the Gospels is that there can be surprises from God. Wonderful surprise at times. Sometimes there can be suffering surprises. And where is God in the midst of that? And in the midst of that, we can kind of lose our way. It would have been easy for William, for Dulcie. Dulcie actually, uh, she actually joined the sisters for a while. She came down here to Sydney. So here was this Aboriginal Islander woman. She spent a few years here with the sisters here in Sydney. I can't remember which order it was now. but um, And now she's back up as an elder, 77 years of age. Strong woman. And, um, but, you know, it would have been easy to uh, turn aside from Lord and say this is too hard you know I thought when I gave my life to you you know you'd lift us out of oppression and injustice you know and things would get better 
And in some senses, it would seem to some that it got worse. But the witness of this family in the midst of this crucible of injustice is an extraordinary faith that drew others. And obviously William in that place and where I've been to others were drawn to him because he wasn't broken in his spirit. And he didn't lose faith because he knew that all that injustice wasn't about Jesus. It was actually an antithesis of the gospel. It was anti-gospel. And he knew the gospel. And he knew in his heart who Jesus was. And he came to set his people free. And he didn't use his liberty. You know, Paul talks about it, doesn't he? We can use our liberty often. We can come to a place as Christians where we feel that we've kind of given our lives to the Lord, that we've followed him, that we've, uh, that we've been doing that for years. But you know what can creep in? You know, that Paul talks about our kind of self-indulgence. Oh, I've done pretty well, Lord, you know. I've been walking with you for years, you know. It's, uh, you know, I don't do too many things wrong, you know. And, uh, well, that wouldn't be the case with the servants, but it happens, you know, in the missionaries of God's love and other places. You know, we kind of walk for a while and you find this kind of self-indulgence sort of raises its head. You know, these really committed men, young ones, I started out young, um, you know, committed to the Lord, you know, and you think there's nothing, I'm bulletproof, Lord. You and I, we can go anywhere and do anything. And then the cracks in the armour start to appear. You know, the, the attachments of the heart, the desires of the heart, you know, deeply founded, you know, love of power and greed and lust and, you know, longing and desires that aren't of God and they're not for God. It's about me. And you think, oh, that's no good. All these years I've been following you, Lord, and, you know, now I'm a bit of a mess. And the Lord sort of loving you, saying, yes, I've known that all the time, Steve. And I've loved you through it all. Now you're a little more enlightened. You know, you can love me now. Isn't that marvellous? You know that the Lord has loved me in the knowledge of all that stuff that is within us. But today there's a grace, you see. There's a grace. To, uh, as St. Francis of Assisi used to say, we've done so little, brothers. He would have said sisters if Claire was there. But he said, we've done so little, brothers. Let's begin again in Christ. Let's start again. Let's start out again in Christ, not in our own strength. But let's begin again in Christ. Where have I given ground? Where have I allowed self-indulgence to take over in my life? You know, let's begin again. You know, a few, few months ago I was here at the Five Keys, you know, conference. I could name those five keys for you. I won't, but I, I could, I think. Um, but, you know, a really important dimension of those five keys was the kind of acknowledgement, asking forgiveness, giving forgiveness, um, renouncing, taking authority, you know. It's really important, isn't it, to hear ourselves renounce something. And you think, oh, well, here I go again, Lord. But in that moment of grace, you know, to renounce that. You know, with you, Lord, I renounce this, what's been a growing area of my life, you know. And uh, I want to be more open to your spirit. And uh, wherever your spirit takes me. For William Thayday, he took him to a place he never expected. 
doing stuff he never expected. But he never lost his faith or trust in Jesus. I'm sure at the end of his life, you kind of have to say, this was a life well lived, that he run the race right to the end. You know? He had an imperishable wreath, you know, crown of glory. I mean, these are our ancestors in faith in Australia. These are our true ancestors in faith. They're not all made saints like Mary McKillop of the Cross because perhaps it's too expensive for Aboriginal saints but, um, to do that. But nevertheless, these are our ancestors in faith in this land and we've got some incredible heroes you know, who, who can teach us about what it is to live your faith in the midst of suffering and injustice. And I know there are people that have come as families and migrant families to Australia who can have wonderful stories, how they've lived their faith in great oppression and darkness in the places they've come from and come to this land, left everything, like Jesus calling them to follow him, left everything, took the risk. I did a funeral for a man who came from uh, Sicily he got on the boat, and this was at his, uh, this was a eulogy, his family were telling the story. He got on the boat, and when it arrived, he said, uh, they said the, the boats arrived, we're in Melbourne. He said, oh, I thought we are going to New York. <laughs> oh, well, okay, let's make our life here. What extraordinary abandonment, you know? What extraordinary abandonment. You, you know, today we'd be saying, well, I'm on the next plane. It was New York, that's what I paid for. He just, well, God, that's what you want. So let's pray for that kind of, it's a sort of this uh, abandonment to God, but it has to be a response out of, as the psalm talks about, you're my portion and cup, Lord. You know, you're beautiful. You're my everything. You're the joy of salvation. You're the Lord of the cosmos. You know, you're beautiful. You're everything that I, that I want. You're everything that I am. You know, you're the centre of my life. You know, I love you. You know, today our hearts might be expanded in love. As we hear this call of Jesus to follow him, it's not a dutiful calling. You're saying, do you know who I am? Have you yet discovered the beauty of who I am? Give your life to me. It's, it's not, it will be a, a sharing in the suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus, but that's our lives. Who hasn't suffered in body or mind or spirit? That's the reality of life. But we're not alone. That's the beauty of Jesus. He comes into the midst of that. And we've got to make space in our lives to sit in our fear and pain and suffering and loss and sadness with him. Not alone. And that makes so much sense. Only he can make sense at times to the apparent failures and injustice and scandals in the church and churches. Only he can make sense. And we sit with him. And again, this is why I made that response, Lord. Our first love. So let's pray now for the grace to be drawn into this first love of Jesus again, to be drawn out of any way that we've drifted into some sort of self-indulgence, to renounce that today and say, Lord, just open out to me again. Come, Holy Spirit, open to me the beauty of God again. 
that my heart so longs for, you know, so uh, desires. And Lord, I do pray that you would enable me to have a vision for a life set upon you. That's why I live. That's why I've been created, for your glory. Just help me again to get my vision set upon you, Lord. So, Lord, we do come to you. We thank you for your word and for the grace, the power, that your word, Lord, is not just something that we apprehend with our minds, but it acts deep within us. And your call to us to follow you, Lord, is your action in us. Even now you're causing our spirits to rejoice and sing and dance at your call, Lord, the call of the King, the call of the Creator, the call of the Lord of the universe. Lord, help us today to hear this call genuinely deep in our hearts. Help us too, Lord, to recognize you, the Lord of all creation, calling us to follow you, to be part of your mission and ministry, whatever that may cost, Lord. We pray that you would give us the grace and every gift to respond, to be effective in your call and in your mission. And we ask this through Christ our Lord.